and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Pretty much Memorial Day weekend. Hope it feels somewhat normal or you can do something that's somewhat normal. Hopefully it's dry. Get outside. Burgers, beer, maybe the fire pit out. That's what I want to do this weekend. Sounds great. Just uh, be smart about it too, right? You know, as my uh, godfather's told me multiple times over my life, uh, his ad- key advice, and I subscribe to it, is don't be an idiot. Pretty simple. Sage advice right there. <laughs> Just don't be an idiot. Uh, what's up? Welcome in. Adam Hogan, Adam Johns here with you. And the fish man is here, Kevin Fishbane. What's up, Kev? Hello, boys. I live every day trying not to be an idiot. I don't always succeed, but it is a good goal to have. Can confirm. Um, just so we let's knock this out right away, John's correct. Uh, Kevin Fishbane has just an outstanding story on Arlington Hambright that you should read. The best thing you may read in your entire lives, I might say. Yeah, I think so. It's up oh. there. <laughs> You guys, I'm blushing. I will say it was definitely the best Bears story at the Athletic for about 48 hours until Dan Pompey's story on Kyle Long, which I know we'll get to. So it was okay, also okay. the only Bears story for 48 hours. So yes. I will, I'll, I'll take that throne. In all seriousness, it, it was a great piece. We're just busting Kevin's chops here, as we always do. I did tweet it. I, I intentionally retweeted it every single time he tweeted it, just so he wouldn't um, text me, Adam. Just, just so that, that was about noted. so it was fifteen retweets then. Yeah, like he made he, he texted <laughs> me. He's like, "You retweeted my story four times." I'm like, "Yeah, I did." I, I also included the Mean Girls uh, GIF. Uh, why are you so obsessed with me? Because I mean, it was like in, an hour and a half. He retweeted me three times. That's great. A- any Mean Girls reference, I'm all for. Forever. What a great, outstanding movie. Yeah. Watched it on Saturday night, actually. Oh, I'm so jealous. I might have to make that part of my Memorial Day weekend. Can we here. just talk about football here, guys? Jeez. <laughs> I don't know. I think we just hit on something here. I think we should just break down Mean Girls for a straight hour. No? Okay. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S-N-K-Fish, at K-Fishman. That's where Kevin is. And, uh, you, of course, as you can tell, you can read those guys at The Athletic. This is an athletic podcast. We appreciate you listening and subscribing, not only to the podcast, but also to The Athletic. And you should be doing that. If you're not, I don't know why, because there's free trials, and you can always get it cheap at uh, theathletic.com slash Johns. 
Uh, help support the podcast if you're a loyal listener by also subscribing to The Athletic. We appreciate you doing that. And you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. We'll get to uh, some of the stuff I have up here, too, in a moment. But you did hear Kevin Fishbane reference Dan Pompey's story on Kyle Long. Of course, we had Dan on the podcast uh, two days ago. If you missed that episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to Dan Pompey talk about uh, Michael McCaskey and those years of covering him, uh, and then also some quarterback talk there at the end as well. But uh, what a story today. Guys, we, we had Kyle Long on the podcast back at the Super Bowl week, and um, I had written a story at that point, too, based on that interview where he, he touched on some of these things about some of the injuries he he went through. But, I mean, Dan Pompey, as he usually does, took this to a, a whole different level with just an outstanding story available on The Athletic today, uh, in-depth, uh, really just detailing Kyle Long's career, which, in my opinion, was still a good career. And really, when you consider everything he dealt with, really as good as it could have been, I think we're now getting an appreciation for what Kyle was dealing with for all those years. Yeah, I can tell you that a lot of time, a lot of hours went into that story. I had talked to Dan Pompey. Gosh, you lose track of time during this pandemic. It feels like I talked to him yesterday, but it was a while ago when we were going back and forth, you know, talking about Kyle Long's legacy. And he and he does have a notable legacy, I think, in the history of the Bears. It started off so well, but just to hear or to read the detail of the the agony and the, the pain and the 16, was it, was it 16 surgeries, 16 injuries that Kyle Long went through, and there's a picture of his of his neck, you know, the, the x-ray of his neck. I, I would recommend reading it if, if you haven't. I, I just think it shows such a unique human side to, to these players, and you don't get that all the time anymore. And that's what I've always appreciated about Kyle Long is, is for lack of a better way of putting it, guys, he, he kept it real with us. Yeah, he, he could be moody. Yeah, he could be ornery at times, but he was himself. He was real. He was a, he was a person. He's not like the, this robot that you get sometimes with professional athletes. And if you read that story, you will see the human side of Kyle Long come through. Yeah, and I think one of the things I've, I've appreciated about covering Kyle in his career was he's very self-aware and you know sometimes self-deprecating we, we we all saw what he would be like in the locker room after he had a bad game um, you know he was very upfront about it uh, and what's interesting I thought in the story was near the end he kind of admits that he could have done more when it came to his training you know he said I relied a lot on just showing up at a certain point in time you can't do that uh, and it's, it's obviously easier for him to say now as his football career is over, but that's still a powerful thing for someone of his stature uh, to acknowledge. So I thought that was and of course, it takes, you know, a, a writer like Dan Pompey to to get some of that out of him. But yeah, as John says, you guys were saying what was interesting also to me was we knew about the horrific ankle injury, the torn labrum that preceded that the neck injury was something we found out later on. And there was a lot more detail in here about how much that impacted him. And then all the little hand injuries. I mean, we, we've, we've met enough football players to know how mangled these guys' hands are. Um, but, but to hear about it and read about it here and all these little injuries that we didn't really know about, how each one of them just piled up and impacted him. And then it's going to impact him the rest of his life. Um, so it was a really well done story about Dan. And I appreciate Kyle um, opening up the way he did. You know, it, yeah, the, uh, one of his hand injuries he dislocated I think it was three fingers and it was actually in the Pro Bowl where they're not even like 
playing that hard. You know, he could still get hurt in the Pro Bowl. And, you know, I think with offensive defensive linemen, a lot of times we don't hear about those finger injuries because they're so common that guys are just, you know, conditioned to play through it. Uh, And some of the detail in the story about the way that they would tape up his hand where he's squeezing a tennis ball, but they would tape it up like his fingers were still there. Um, And then it kind of actually became a weapon for him, which was which was interesting. That was in the story as well. You know, John, you mentioned that sometimes he could be moody. Guess what? I could be moody too at Hallis Hall some days. I think you guys can attest to that. Uh, and I wasn't going through that many injuries and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, playing through all that, rehabbing every day, putting in the work that's necessary when you're still playing. Uh, and I think sometimes, even though we're around the building a lot, uh, probably won't be much this year, but uh, you know, usually are. You still sometimes lose track of the fact that these, what these guys are going through throughout a season, and that's something I've come to appreciate more and more th- throughout the years of doing this. Well, it's even beyond this season. It's something he's going to have to deal with for, for the rest of his life. Like the, the way he has to sleep now is different, and, and some the story ends with him finding the the ability to rest and, and find some. Some peace with himself, but like, there, there's a graph in there. I'll, I'll read some of it. Right, his, his ankle doesn't look much like an ankle, and his right lower leg remains considerably smaller than his left. Both shoulders ha- have atrophy too. He has to sleep on his back instead of his side, which he prefers, so his shoulder doesn't subluxate. I can't. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Um, his, his thumbs have too much flexibility, the result of, of ligament tears, and there will be more surgeries. Like, this is post-football stuff, and there's always concerns about concussions, right? Like, all these guys have had trauma, some more serious than others, but just the, the fact of operating, like, and doing normal everyday things, right? Like, getting out of bed or... or Put on, on, on your shoes. If you read some of the stories about some of these linemen and some of these other players, like even talking to like Dick Buckus, who doesn't have feeling at the ends of, of his fingers anymore, like their daily lives have been changed by their professional football career. Yeah, and the, and the other thing, too, guys, from this story, um, I, Kyle, it goes back to the idea of being self-aware as he as he walks through all these injuries. He knew the Bears gave him a, a few chances. Right, I mean, it took until this year that they it was finally too much. You know, he he was not playing the way he should be playing. He was not blocking the way he should be playing, and there was also you know maybe a couple extra chances they gave him. You know, for obviously the the you know swinging his helmet at a at a player in practice last August, um, and, you know, he had a fight earlier in his career. Um, but you know, the team still obviously believed in him. And knew that sometimes he just you know went off at practice every once in a while, and, and he, he kind of touched on appreciating this franchise. You know, he said when he was done, you know, he's a bear for life. You know, appreciating that they they stuck with him, they gave him that contract, even though they knew about the labor at the time, um, and and just the the, the kind of mutual appreciation there that they that the two of them had. Um, you know, I think for for us, you know, guys in the media, I think we all enjoyed talking to Kyle uh, on his good days, certainly, um, and, and he's someone that there was a lot of players but he said in there that that once his role once he was hurting the team he could tell a difference between the way other guys were talking to him in the locker room so another kind of inside look at what you know how tough this life is um playing playing in the nfl yeah these guys make millions of dollars to live out their dream but there's a lot that goes along with that yeah there absolutely is and and um i think 
again, I I think we we try really hard not to forget that. It, sometimes it's impossible because we don't see all the behind the scenes stuff, and we're not down there on the field during the games, even though we're in the stadium. Um, it's tough. It's really tough, and and so I think uh, it's good to hear all this stuff. I think Kyle, this story on Kyle Long kind of does a good service. Uh, but if you missed, I don't want to take everything out of the story and just put it here on this podcast. So make sure you go read it. If you're not a subscriber, you should be, so you can read it. Go to theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. So uh, please do that. What a story by Dan Pompey. And again, he was on the podcast Tuesday. So if you didn't hear that, you should go back and listen to it as well. I'm going to reverse what we had talked about, guys. We are going to talk about some of these Bears rookies and what Matt Nagy had to say about Cole Komet. But another story that came out today uh, that's been kind of a, a fun talking point is this list of 25 NFL players still under the age of 25 on CBS, uh, CBS's sports website. And I guess the headline for us to discuss, not a single bear, but pretty simple. So for the the critics out there who think the Bears are going to to go 3-13, and 13, this is just the more fuel to, to their old fire. And I get it. The Bears went 8-8 eight and eight last year. There's quarterback questions again. That's a reoccurring theme for this organization. There's a lot of reasons. To doubt this team, I, I, I understand that. Um, like, like, but, but here's like a fun fact, you know, about like the, the this list, and, and I'm not going to completely, you know, I don't know, throw a wet blanket on, on what, what was written here by CBS Sports. But like, if, if you just raise that age by like just just one year, like, do you guys know who the 26 year olds are, are on the Bears? You know, you got Eddie Jackson, you got Eddie Goldman, and you got Allen Robinson. Three of your best players, and 26 is, is not old last time I checked, especially, not, like not even in NFL years is, is that old. I think people forget, Johnsy, that Eddie Goldman's been 26 for four years. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> Which is very impressive. But you know, I, I think that was a big plus when they brought in Allen Robinson, right, that he was 24 uh, when they signed him. Uh, and we were talking uh, earlier before the show, you know, Cole Komet and Jalen Johnson are young draft picks they just turned 21 um this past spring so you know the the idea here too you look at the drafts obviously they only they didn't have a first round pick in the last two drafts uh the second round pick after roquan smith who was an honorable mention on that list is anthony miller who i think we could all agree if the guy could stay healthy um and it's an important caveat but if he could stay healthy he would be probably considered for something like this um but yeah you know plus this is now bears team that's getting a little older uh, so, you know, this is a team that's going to have to rely on some veterans like a Robert Quinn and a Nick Foles uh, if they want to get back to the playoffs. I-, I wouldn't judge this list and the kind of lack of bears on it as a franchise issue necessarily, because you said they got the 26 year olds. They got a couple 21 year olds on the up and up. Um, but I do think it, it points out that they, they do have to rely on some guys on the wrong side of 30 this year if they want to get back to the playoffs. Some of these names on here, you our surprise are still under 25. Marshawn Lattimore is on here. But I also think like you look at somebody like Roquan Smith, um, that's somebody who is young and, and sh- you know should be showing up here soon. So Yeah, I, I want to point out Roquan Smith's absence again because I almost feel like it's, it's fair, but uh, it's a tad bit unfair. You do have six running backs on this list. I, I, I'll debate the value of, of running backs. 
and every podcast I, I can get on, even though some of these guys are absolutely phenomenal and exceptional. Like there should only be a couple of these guys on this list, um, in my opinion. That's your, your Christian McCaffrey's and Uzi Gallets of the world. But with Roquan Smith, his 2019 season, it's it's layered, fellas. We all know that from his personal issues off the field to you know, missing the game, and then he wasn't himself clearly in London, and, and it took a while for him to get back on track. I think he ended on a good note. It, it, there, there's some advanced st- stats out there that, that like his tackle rate and whatnot, but I, I just feel like with Roquan Smith, you wanted a bit more right now. You you wanted to be able to pass the torch from Trevathan to Roquan Smith. Like, he was going to be your leader. He was going to be your captain. I don't think the Bears can do that right now. It's probably why Danny Trevathan got re-signed and, and Nick Kwiatkowski is now playing for the Raiders. So I feel like that's part of that story. Like Roquan Smith has not had that torch, that proverbial torch passed to him because of the, the ebbs and flows of his 2019 season. And some of that was off the field. Yeah, and, and because he is the guy who should be on this list, it, it, it brings you back to 2020, right? Because right now, if we're having a Roquan Smith conversation, uh, in, in on May 21st, 2020, it should be like, okay, this guy is going to be an all-pro in year three. We all saw what he did in year two. It's all coming together. Here we go. But for all the reasons Johnsy just laid out, we can't have that conversation yet. Now it's like, okay, can he stay healthy for the whole year? Can you know he stay focused? Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word. Whatever was going on off the field, is, is he okay? Um, and can he be the player they all expect? Because guys, we, we spent a lot of time, you know, in the last couple of months going through some of the first round picks that haven't panned out. The Bears didn't certainly did not expect this one to not pan out. I'm not saying it won't because I think we all see what type of player Roquan Smith can be. He was outstanding in that Chargers game uh, last season, just as an example. Um, but, you know, th- this is a huge year for him. Um, and it's not like we it, we would have been saying that if he had a great year last year, but it's different. Now it's like they everyone needs to see him put together a great full season because everyone knows he's capable of it. You know, this sort of intertwines what we were talking about earlier with Kyle Long to, in our role, appreciate these guys as humans at the same time uh, as they are football players. Because with Roquan Smith, we all see the ability. What I still wonder, though, sometimes, like, I want to be really careful with this because on Instagram, right, with those pictures, where was he again? I'm forgetting. He, He was like on a boat. Is that right? With a certain star from a certain genre of film? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. The guy has every right to do that. Want to make that clear? No problem with it whatsoever. You're, You're your own human being, and we need to appreciate them as that. But at the same time, anytime you see something like that with whatever player, you do sometimes wonder about the commitment to football because right or wrong you have hall of famers right that are just completely obsessed with the game nonstop that's all they do like they're almost they're like borderline crazy about it but that's how they're as great as they are right so it's really hard to bring these things up like it's some type of criticism when it really shouldn't be and yet sometimes that's what it takes and I, when these guys get drafted when GMs and scouts are doing all this digging. That's what they want to find out. Like, right, how, not just how much do you love the game, but how obsessed 
argue about it. And that word obsession is something that Matt Nagy talks about all the time. These are the players you want. So, you know, sometimes it can be the difference between a player as talented as Roquan Smith being just a good, solid player for a good period of time and then maybe moving on to a different team at some point uh, and being an actual superstar for many years. Does that all make sense, what I just said? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. See, I, I don't mind the partying. Like, look at the last dance. Like, Dennis Rodman, he got after it like no other. Look at the 85 Bears. Those guys partied all the time. Look look at the Blackhawks, the three cup-winning teams. Those guys partied all the time. But when it was time to work, and I know this is going to sound cliched, right? Like, they put in the work. When it was time to work, they put it in. They went all out. Cliches, I get it again. But that's that's their story. You talk to them now is, you know, Mike Dicka would allow these guys to basically do whatever they want. But when they were at House Hall and when it was time to work, they worked. Again, I know these are cliches, but that's how they operated. So I don't mind partying. I, I really don't like. He, he's a young guy. He could do all, like he could do those things. It, it's it's completely acceptable to me. But like with the stories from last year, like his story from last year, I should say, you know, with with missing the game, being held out of that game, not being himself on the field, not looking good on the field, and then like like even Matt Nagy, he didn't say this on our Zoom call. I think he said this on ESPN ESPN Radio. He was asked about Roquan Smith and. He had to, like, I'm paraphrasing here because I'm trying to remember what he said, but, like, he had to have a conversation with Roquan Smith about those photos, about being smarter, you know, uh, about what he's doing. Maybe that's COVID-19 related. Maybe it's what happened last year related. I'm not really sure, but it was important enough for Matt Nagy to have that conversation with his young linebacker. This uh, I, I, I'm going to switch gears from Roquan Smith only because, and I'll throw this back to you, Hogue, uh, we did our dominant teams uh, story at The Athletic, and it was 85 Bears versus 96 Bulls. And what I love about what we do is it actually led to like a debate in the comments. Um, and just bringing up the last dance made me think, and, and these teams that we knew partied a lot and played really well in the field and the basketball court. Um, I just love all you guys who listen and read and want to argue about the 96 polls versus the 85 pairs because it's such a ridiculous comparison, but it's great. You know, uh, and obviously uh, the 85 Bears, you have all those stories too, right? So, But times are changing, and I think expectations within buildings are changing too, and the amount of work yeah, that is fair. required. That's a good point, yes. The amount of focus over over the years. It, it, it's just the reality of the situation. Um and so this is a good transition, guys, because we never really know how these players are going to react to being professionals until they get there. It's one of the hardest things in scouting, right? Because you may have a guy who loves football and put in all the work in college, but not only is there money that comes into the equation, you get your contract, you get your signing bonus, you buy a house, all of a sudden you have all this stuff at your disposal. But speaking of age here, under 25, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I started becoming a completely, you know, much more mature person when I hit 25, 26, 27. That's another thing we always forget with these young athletes too. They're becoming like real adults throughout their 20s. Everybody changes, right? And so 
no one really knows how they're going to react and how focused they're really going to be until they get in these situations. And so the reason I bring all this up, new draft class, you have a young kid like Cole Komet here, and so far can't find a single person to say one bad thing about him. Loves the game, puts in all the work, somehow manages to play baseball, play football, get good grades at Notre Dame, the whole thing, and yet we're still here projecting how good is how good of a guy how good of a player is he going to be right away because the Bears need him. Actually, every negative thing I read about Cole Komet is has nothing to do really with Cole Komet. Uh, because when we talk about or quote Matt Nagy about how great he is, the initial response from all the fans is, well, who's going to throw him the ball? <laughs> you know, my least favorite one, Kevin, is, well, you know, I don't think we need to commit. We had all those other, you know, nine tight ends. Well, he's like better than them all, you know, like just... <laughs> <laughs> they, had, they had that many tight ends because they didn't have really any. Yes, I really, yes. I really don't want to turn this into a like. This is like the third week in a row. I feel like I've been on here and we brought up the way that fans have reacted. And I get it. The Bears were bad last year. We're all you know bunkered up inside. People's are frustration. And I go back to that '96 Bulls versus '85 Bears. I love it. I love the people getting upset about a great a great positive in Cole Komet and turning it into a, well, the offense still stinks. And I don't, who knows if this guy's even going to put, somebody even said, that's what uh, the Bears said about Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, I, I, again, I love it. But yeah, hey, right now, the, the, the coaches, the personnel staff, all they can have to work on is how these guys are in these Zoom meetings. And obviously Cole Komet's putting on a great first impression. So my turn to uh, promote something because uh, I'm hoping this is up by the time you're listening to it. But I did a kind of I did a video uh, film review of Cole Komet for NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, and there's a write up with it, so you can find it at NBCSportsChicago.com. But looked at some of his tape and some of his strengths and why I think this guy can actually be a pretty quick contributor as a rookie. I don't want to set the expectations too high, um, but there's a lot of things to like. Before we get to that and what it broke down on the video, though, I want to hear uh, from Matt Nagy. We had this audio. We went through a lot of it on Tuesday, but we saved some of this on Cole Komet uh, for this podcast here. So last week when we talked to Matt Nagy, uh, he had some great things to say about Cole Komet so far in the limited meetings that they've had over Zoom. Uh, so here he is, Matt Nagy, talking about Cole Komet. In regards to Travis, when we started there in Kansas City, uh, you know, tr- Travis is a, a very cool and unique personality in a lot of different ways, and he lets that show uh, on the field. It took a little bit of time for Travis um, to get to get going. Like you said, he had the injury, and then he started kind of creating his own um, his own personality to his his to the player. Um, so, but I re- I'll never forget. We threw a, a post route down the middle to Travis and he caught the ball in the preseason and he outran a safety in a corner for about a 60 yard touchdown. And that's when we knew, okay, wow. Now is Cole commit that? No, that's not who he is. They're different styles. Uh, but at the same time, what we see in, in Cole is a, is a player that, um, whether it's the, the Y position, you know, the U position, we look at him as more of a Y that can play you. And the ceiling for him is so high. 
because number one, he wants it. And all these speakers that we talk to and that we listen to that are some that are really great at the positions they played uh, in different sports. Um, the one thing is they got that one. They got that little different thing uh, to make them great. He, he has that. And there's just I mean, I said it yesterday in one of my discussions. I, I have yet to trump him in a Zoom meeting on, on a question. I, ha- I've yet, I can't trick him. He, he, he knows it all. And so, number one, some of the advice that was given to these young players heading into 2020 right now is to understand your playbook in 2020 is going to be the most important thing you can do than any other year because you don't have a lot of time and you don't have the, the ability for coaches to see what you can and can't do on that field. This kid has that. I will guarantee you, I'll put it out there, he will know this playbook inside out. That's not going to be the issue, right? What he's going to have to grow with is understanding the defenses in the NFL, understanding how strong, you know, a defensive end is uh, that he's going to have to block as a nine technique or a seven eye technique on a blast play to the outside. It's different what the speed's like, when the ball comes on you, when the coverage changes. But And he'll do that because he has the one. So when you see that ceiling of somebody like Cole, you see the personality, um, you see the size, the strength, the makeup, all that. How do you not get excited about that? Um, I am, and I'm looking forward to his future. So, guys, I should have set that up a little bit better because the question was asked like in context of Travis Kelsey. So that's who he's talking about, who he coached, course coached in uh, Kansas City. But you heard some of what we were just talking about, right? That want to, like that that extra football gene that some of these players have where they're just totally obsessed. And again, like I, that seems to be what the Bears drafted here with Cole Komet, but we've seen this in the past with other players. And so we'll see what that looks like two years from now. Um, but you hear the excitement for Matt Nagy. I guess my, my question for you guys is all this hype with a rookie, do you think it's going to be hard for Cole to live up to it right away? Well, hype is what we do well here in, in, in Chicago. It's just a matter of having the right expectations. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey in, in year one. Travis Kelsey wasn't Travis Kelsey in, in year one. Correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but didn't he have like a, a like an in, injury situation? He was hurt? And, yeah, it only appeared yeah. in one game. Um, now, by his second year, Travis Kelsey started to emerge as Travis Kelsey. And, you know, Zach Ertz by his second and third year, so it was much better. Those are the guys you're always going to compare him with because of the offensive system similarities. But it's just a matter of having the right context and the, the right expectation for, for who he is. There's a lot of stats out there that suggest that tight ends take time to adjust. It's just it's just true. And coaches have said that to us a number of times. Like tight ends one of the toughest spots for the the college to NFL transition just because of the blocking and everything that's asked of the position at this level as opposed to what they did before. Yeah, John's it's a great point. And I think Hoger, your uh, your colleague JJ Stankovitz wrote about this before the draft about um, rookie tight ends and, and kind of going back and, and you know how difficult it is for guys to make a splash the rookie year. I think I think everyone's got to be reasonable with their expectations for Cole Komet. This guy was the forty third pick in the draft. Just because he was the Bears' first pick doesn't mean he was a first round pick. So you know, and he's Jimmy Graham is going to get more targets than Cole Komet. Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Tariq Cohen are probably all going to get more targets overall uh, than Cole Komet. However, this is somebody who could be your starting tight end for 10 years. 
and evolve into the player that you expect. And one of the things I think, and, and this highlights how important it is that he's showing them, at least in the classroom aspects, that he's a quick learner so that they can get him on the field. Because one of the interesting things about his scouting report, um, and Dane Brugler wrote this, and we've talked about this a lot, is the guy has played two sports all the way up until this past season. So he can finally put 24-7, 365 into football. And that, that just raises uh, someone like his potential uh, the, the, for what he can do on the football field now that it's the only sport he's going to be focused on. But yeah, I mean, we all got to be, everyone's got to be rational when they're talking about any rookie's uh, expectations, especially when you're talking about a second-round uh, tight end. So one of the things I love doing when I go back and watch some of his college tape is finding out um, what, what's their best tape and what's their worst tape, okay? And so you can kind of see the range and the consistency. Um, but in Cole's case, his best college tape came against Georgia this year. Did you guys happen to watch that game live? I, I, I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched that one. It, it was the big Saturday night game, Notre Dame at Georgia. Um, it was the big primetime game that week. And I don't know about you, but it was one of the most impressive like settings I've seen. Uh, how loud it was. The place was just absolutely rocking. And Notre Dame's on the road tough environment and Cole's coming off a broken collarbone that he suffered in training camp in August. This is his first game back. And this is the game that he balls out and have his, has his best college tape. Okay. So that to me matters a lot and can be applied to making a jump up to the NFL competition and maybe how quick that switch gets turned on. Right, But the one thing I loved is you go back and watch his tape in that game, and this is a consistent thing with him, is how he seeks out contact after the catch. So one thing I think he'll be able to do right away that the Bears lack last year at times is give, whether it's Mitch or Nick Foles, but especially if it's Mitch Trubisky, a target close to the line of scrimmage. Even more so than a classic U, but him being a, a wide tight end lined up on the line of scrimmage Play action. These things we talked about last year, they could do more of, and I'm expecting them to do more of this year. Get this guy open in tight spaces, but close to the quarterback. Quick one, first or second read, and then allowing the guy to go to work after the catch. Now, the fear sometimes with that is injuries, but for him to seek out contact the way he did against Georgia, coming off a collarbone, it's all over the tape. It's very impressive. So I think quickly, while he's still figuring out coverages, he's getting comfortable at the next level. I think that's something he's going to be able to do as a pass catcher immediately. Yeah, but Ho, that doesn't solve the problem at right guard. <laughs> that's true. Maybe he can play right guard. So I, I watched that game uh, in a bar, which happened to be packed with, with Notre Dame fans. I was at a fest, street fest in Chicago, started to rain, so, so we ducked inside. And Wait, you were at a street fest on the northwest side of Chicago in a bar, and there happened to be a lot of Irish fans there? Yes. Go oh, figure. Okay. Right? Go figure. So this is the environment that I'm in. It, is, it was an outstanding game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how I remember it, and when he he had like a, a run of like consecutive catches and he, he had the touchdown catch and and I remember thinking and telling somebody next to him like wow that's the kid from St. Vider I, I think he's got a chance like lo and behold here we are talking about him as the 43rd overall pick by his hometown team 
you know, Chicago Bears. So that's that's quite the story. Um, I I do have some some stats for you. So so last year there were four tight ends taken in the top fifty-two, and everybody should know by now that Cole Komet was the the first tight end taken, right? So there were four taken in the top fifty-two last year. T.J. Hawkinson at number nine by the Lions. His teammate from Iowa, Noah Fant, at number twenty by the Broncos. Irv Smith at number fifty by the Vikings, and Drew Sample at number fifty-two by the Bengals. Uh, I'm just going to mention what the top three did because Drew Sample just didn't do much whatsoever. And I, and I think these these numbers for these three guys are something to keep in mind for Cole Komet in his, in his rookie year. So T.J. Hawkinson. Appeared in 12 games. I, I think he had an injury situation. But 32 catches, 367 yards, two touchdowns. Noah Fant, all 16 games, 40 catches, 562 yards, three touchdowns. Irv Smith played in every game, 36 catches, 311 yards, two scores. So something around that range, you know, maybe 35 catches, 40 catches, 450 yards, a touchdown or two. Like I feel like that's a reasonable expectation for Cole Komet in his rookie season. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think the, the um, I think that's fair, and I like how Nagy describes him as a Y that can also play you because you also see in that Georgia game. So he comes off in line play action, gets the quick catch, you know, at the second level because the linebackers got sucked in. Does a little running after the catch. Then you see him a little bit later. He's lined up in the slot more and and running a route like a wide receiver, which would be more like the U. So there's there's something to be said for that. I think there's going to be a little bit of adjustment, obviously, with coverages, as you heard Nagy talk about. Uh, that goes for any rookie pass catcher. And then, of course, like the blocking is the big question mark. It might be the thing that takes a little bit more time to develop. But... You talk about the want to. You talk about the fact, and Kev, you brought this up, not playing ba- baseball anymore. He's going to have NFL off-season program. Well, he's not getting that right now, really, from a strength uh, standpoint, since he's not able to be at House Hall. But uh, the, the willingness to seek out contact sh- shows me that he's not going to shy away at all. And there seems to be a commitment to you know trying to put in the work, which we, again, this seems to be the theme of this podcast here, but always putting in that work, not just relying on physical ability. And, um, you know, that's just something we're going to have to learn over time. If Cole can figure that out. You know, just in terms of expectations for the, the entire rookie class, like, like Hambright and Lascavia Simmons, like they're going to require time in seventh round picks, but uh, the, the five other guys, Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, Kendall Vildor, Travis Gibson, like they're going to be on the active roster. Are, are they not? Like, I don't know if that means they're going to be active on game day, but they're going to be on the team. It's just going to be interesting to see which ones could find themselves on the field roles, you know, the, the quickest. Uh, Johnson should be, to be, on, to be honest, he should be your day one starter if he's healthy. Like in terms of expectations, I almost feel like they might be higher for Johnson as opposed to, you know, what they are for command. I feel like they should be higher because you, you need him to be a starter day one opposite Kyle Fuller. But it is fun. It is funny how this works out when you don't have a first round pick. Like David Montgomery got the first round treatment last year 
when guys like Will Sutton were third round picks, guys like Hironis Grisou, right? They're afterthoughts in draft usually, but because you didn't have first or second round pick last year, David Montgomery is getting like the entire spotlight all summer training camp preseason. Remember that first preseason game when he looked so good and like all of a sudden he's getting his first round treatment and it's almost like sets unfair expectations when, okay, the regular season starts, they didn't actually have that great of a running game. Now you got people doubting David Montgomery when it might not even all been his fault and a lot of it was just because of the expectations that were set. Like Komet's the first tight end taken, right? He was the first tight end taken. There should be the expectation that he plays like the first tight end taken, right? Like in... in you read the scouting reports on a Jalen Johnson. If he doesn't have shoulder problems, he's a late first round pick. So I get it, but they're still top fifty players. Like, forget the fifth rounders for a bit. But like, if you're if you're top fifty, in my opinion, like you you should be a starter. You should be drafted to be That's a starter. Fair. And like these guys are going to be expected to contrib- contribute in some fashion this season. You know, when when you have a team as old as the Bears with as many returning starters you, you have you have number the number one thing with this year's team obviously is quarterback and number two is health can they say healthy after that the difference to make between this team be going the wrong way or returning the playoffs are going to be guys like Cole Komet and Jalen Johnson and David Montgomery and Anthony Miller and Roquan Smith right these are the young guys who have a ceiling who have not reached said ceiling um you know for guys like Komet and Johnson Montgomery they probably you, you still got to give them time but th- those group of young players they're the ones that if they you know step up and have great seasons as rookies or first years or second years you know then you're talking about a, a, a team that has that extra edge right because you, you know if Akeem Hicks is healthy you have an idea of what you're getting from him and Dan Trevathan and Kyle Fuller and, and you know you, you expect the offensive line to not be as worse as, as bad as they were last year so you, you know what you're gonna get from Allen Robinson it's these guys that can make that kind of impact that can suddenly if they're playing the way the Bears expect them to play it's why they drafted them or traded up for them um, that that makes a difference look at that Northwestern grad using the first year second year lingo Shocking. Yeah, I, I I screwed that up. I meant rookie, second year, third year. <laughs> so that's as we call it at Northwestern. That that would be a Medill F for me. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. You guys ever heard of a Medill F? I, I I suppose that's like an A for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a typo or some kind of inaccuracy in something you wrote at journalism school, it was an immediate F. No matter like w- how good the story was, a typo. Like yeah, if you had, uh, I-, I feel like typo was in there as one of the things. Maybe if someone is listening, they can. They can maybe I'm getting a Badil F on this explanation. I do recall. <laughs> I, I it might have only been freshman year too, um, for one of our like entry level classes. But I did have one Medill F on an assignment where I just I just had a something something was just off, misspelled or something. Medill F. Mm, you see, you know, those of high, us that went high standards. To, 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 you know, high quality Catholic high schools. We didn't, I don't, F might as well not be in the alphabet. Oh. We live in the world of jugs here. <laughs> That's right. Justice you know that under means? God. Yes. yes. I, I learned that from you guys. Yes. There was a, I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod last year, but Ignatius came out with a beer called Jug. 
And I, here I am, and yes. I'm going, wait a minute, Ignatius is putting beer out now? Genius. I, if I had said the word beer in high school, I would have gotten a jug. You know, this is like something we could bring up with, with Cole Clement, too, being the St. Vider kid. What was your, your most regrettable jug? And he would know exactly what we're talking yes. about, as, as opposed to maybe others in, in, in the media room. So that's where we got, we got the inside there, my friend, the, the Catholic League connection. I like it. I like it. We, we should do that. All right. Um, hopefully he's not getting any jugs with Matt Nagy anytime soon. Hopefully they're all showing up to their meetings on time on Zoom. Fascinating situation uh, that all these teams are dealing with right now. And uh, we'll see if as the sports world kind of starts to hint at reopening, if that'll happen uh, in time for any type of OTAs or mini camp. But right now that seems like a long shot. Uh, we'll we'll have to see about training camp. Anything else, we guys, we should sneak into this podcast? Um, Kevin wrote this great piece in Arlington Hambright we should all check out. Okay, that's a good point. You should. We uh, got yeah. free tri- If you're not a subscriber... Right there, go go read the article. And again, we're making light of a very good story. This is just because Kevin likes to text us about his stories. Yeah, I can't believe we forgot to mention that. You're now all privy to the inside jokes of the beat writer text message group that are going on. (laughs) (laughs) Not all of them, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, I was gonna say, Hogue, we should point out that we're in a separate text thread that John's is specifically not in. Ouch. Yeah, Ouch. but and I will also point out that was John's choice to not be in that thread. So, huh? I'm offended now. No, no, this is you're in the thread. I know, but I'm offended that he wanted to be out of oh, the thread. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't. He didn't want to talk about college football. Oh, yeah, that one. I'm better off. Yes, leave me <laughs> out of that. There is a lot of college football talk in there. In Simpsons, yeah. he didn't want to get our text while he was watching the Notre Dame Georgia game at a bar. With his Irish buddies. You guys remember going to bars and watching football games with your buddies? Oh, God, yes. It's so sad. Soon, soon, I hope. Oh, I hope so. All right, well, great way to bring the podcast full circle. Whatever you do this weekend, folks, please be smart about it. Don't be an idiot, right? As my godfather would say. Uh, Anyway, it's good to talk football. Hopefully, you can get out, enjoy the weather. Um... Enjoy Memorial Day weekend. Just be smart. Hope everybody's safe. Love our listeners. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Please go check out those stories we talked about on The Athletic, uh, Dan Pompey's piece, Kevin's Arlington Hambright piece, and uh, you can check out my Cole Komet breakdown at NBCSportsChicago.com. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, The Fishman, Kevin Fishbane, at K Fishbane. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the weekend. See ya. Go Bears.